Hi, my name is Corey Roberts, and you're listening to My Autistic Mind. Thank you for joining me as I share my experiences living on the spectrum, discuss autism and neurodiversity as a whole, and hopefully educate and inspire on the way. Please remember that autism is a spectrum and that my experiences are not universal, but one of many different expressions looking to find its voice. There's something for everyone, so grab some snacks and let's get comfortable. and you are listening to My Autistic Mind. Welcome back to all my returning listeners and welcome if you are new. Uh, Here I talk about uh, my autistic experiences and hopefully educate and inspire uh, my listeners to either understand themselves or understand autism. Um, So once again, welcome everyone and uh, Today's episode is brought to you by this hot cup of tea I have next to me. Um, It is now officially winter, so um, please stay warm, stay safe out there. Uh, I live uh, in the southeast, and even for us, it's occasionally in the 30s, the 20s. um, So please stay warm, stay safe. Um, Unfortunately, I am not following my own advice. Uh, I Hopefully it, it's not coming across too much, but I got caught out in the rain and the cold a few times. So uh, if I sound a little stuffy, that is why. And uh, hopefully this hot tea and some medicine that I've taken uh, will help with the congestion. It's not too bad, um, you know, just, uh, just congestion. So that is to say, uh, Happy holidays. Um, I know it's the holiday season since you know it's cold. Um, so happy holidays to all who celebrate or if you don't, hopefully you have a happy new year. Um, this episode should be coming out on the 24th, which is Christmas Eve. So to those that celebrate, Merry Christmas. Um, and yeah so i know that it is being that it is the holiday season um this episode will be about uh some of my experiences as an autistic person uh and you know the holidays um this one this first kind of anecdote is for my uh service workers um, or my service industry workers. I just know that I, too, work in uh, the service industry, uh, food service specifically. Uh, thankfully, I have not had a uh, Merry Christmas fiasco, um, as to my knowledge. Uh, more power to you if you have, but uh, something that I have noticed um, now, recently, since working in food service just how strange people can get uh, with just their holidays and their behaviors, and it's it's an odd thing. Uh, at work the other day, I had these two women who were very eager to have just to be on the same ticket, like the same food ticket order, 
but were fighting over who would pay for the meal. And, you know, I, I, I get that you want to pay for the person that you're with, you know, as a, as a kind gesture. Um, and, you know, it's a little weird if you are arguing in front of the register. Um, you know, I don't really want to get in the middle of that. But these two women took it upon themselves to uh, race each other, to take out cash and shove it into my hands. Um, like, take my money, take my money. And, uh, you know, it was a very, very odd uh, interaction, which, you know, it at first sounds mostly, mostly, um, I, I can't, I'm losing the word, uh, not, not too harmful, but in my mind, um, I had this expectation of how uh, the interaction should go, and they had breached that. Um, they were suddenly in my personal space. I did not know what to do, um, and I was actually beginning to feel uh, panic set in. Um, like, oh god, what do, I do? what do I do? Are they reaching for the register? Are they reaching for me? Um, what's going on? And this is all occurring in my mind, uh, like within maybe a second or two, as they are uh, just handing me money. Eventually they decide amongst themselves that one of them just is going to use their tap card, which, thank God, um, and that handled the order. But it took me maybe another 10, 15 minutes to calm myself down because that was just such an unexpected uh, stressful event and uh, that is actually the main topic of or part of the main topic of today's episode which I am titling accommodations and affordances so that is my segue into talking about like those 10 to 15 minutes or so of like taking time to myself um you know i left that interaction you know still professionally i handled i did what i needed to do and uh made their orders and uh they were on their way but you know i was still having to present myself in a professional manner and uh, not exhibit any of the like stress reactions or my immediate uh, fight or flight instincts because um, you know in thinking about it or thinking back on it, I felt like I needed to defend myself or uh, run or something. Um, and that's just, you know, a natural stress response. Um, but to anyone who might not understand, say, um, breaking social norms or uh, like why I would be so stressed out by that, um, it, it would look inconspicuous and I'm, just, I'm certain 
the word snowflake might be used, um, which I think is very um, asinine, but uh, that's a different topic for a different day. Um, and I, in taking care of myself, what I needed to do was I needed to, uh, thankfully the line wasn't like long or anything and I could step back and do this, but I needed to step back and, uh, self-stimulate or stim, um, stimming for those that don't know, um, that's any kind of behavior where we, uh, kind of, I guess in this instance, get out some of that anxious energy or um, any kind of, or we react physically to any internal, like, uh, stimulus. So for me, occasionally that does look like either pacing or doing something with my hands. Like uh, right now I am actually picking at my fingers, which is a bad habit that I've had since I was a kid. But in that moment, it was so strong and I needed to do it so fast that while I don't normally hand flap, um, I have found that it's actually particularly a really good stim. Um, like for just the short term, I need to get this uh, out right now. Um, so I don't do it very often, but occasionally I will just quietly to myself, like, flap my hands. Um, I'm doing it right now as if you can see me, but I know you can't. Um, so, I bring that up uh, to say that a lot of the spaces that uh, we, us autistics and other neurodivergent folks um, live in, live and work in, um, being the minority, we, you'll, you'll sometimes hear the phrase being autistic in an allistic world or, um, you know, like this, like this world was not designed for us. And that is where a lot of the, um, that's where a lot of like the mark differences and some of like the stereotypical behaviors you'll see uh, come from because we're trying our best and being unable to manage uh, ourselves because we aren't being given the accommodations or affordances to be ourselves. So we're expected to perform as though we were not autistic and a lot of the, I'm doing massive air quotes here, uh, treatments are geared towards um, diminishing our autistic traits and uh, either camouflaging or masking. Um, those two are, are kind of um, synonyms. So, you know, it's uh, when we camouflage or we mask, um, mask is easier to say, so I will be saying that going forward, um, though I might use both. Um, it is how we 
Um, it's how we pretend, I would say. Like, we're spending a lot of energy to pretend to not be autistic outwardly. Like, we're just putting on a show. Like, we're pretending to be someone else. Um, so, often when someone does divulge to you um, that they are autistic, you'll hear someone say, oh, well, I never would have guessed. Well, I mean, you know, it's likely because we're masking or... Uh, well, almost certainly because we're masking. Because a lot of the times, um, if we weren't, it's that kind of knee-jerk reaction to those stereotypes people have that I talked about in last ep in the last episode. Um, so we're not really allowed to be autistic in very many spaces, especially at school, in public, or at work, um, because we don't know what is around us and how the people around us might react to that. So these are things that we have to do uh, usually in closed spaces or um, we have to take time out that other people otherwise would not need to to be able to um, take care of ourselves. And that is part of what I mean by affordances. So affordances are um, things are like behaviors that we do to give ourselves some grace to you know be ourselves, like to uh, take what we're given and you know, do what we need to do to prosper. So for me, I uh, knew that I needed to take a second, uh, breathe, and like listen to my body, um, stem a bit. Uh, but that could also look like, um, for example, if you know that it's difficult for you to get up in the morning, an affordance would be setting your alarm clock but in a position where you have to get up to go and um, turn it off. Uh, or if you know that you won't have time in the morning to make your coffee, uh, an affordance would be setting up like the coffee maker the night before and then having it turn on first thing in the morning if you are able to. Um, so small things like that, self-affordances. Um, so anything you need to do to kind of help yourself to handle, you know, your situation, like handle your day. Um, and for me, that sometimes that does look like stepping away when I need to having, or if I, if I'm able to, uh, having a minute to, um, like, listen to myself, listen to my body, listen to what I need, um, that could also, I, you know, have the example of the alarm clock, because, uh, if any of my coworkers are listening, uh, I apologize, it's hard getting up in the morning sometimes, um, yeah, I, I do that, uh, things like that, um, 
but that can also be things like um, setting things up for other people to make it easier for them if you know that they are struggling with something and they are willing to ask you for that help. Uh, you know, it's always something that someone has to say, hey, can you help me with this? Um, so please do not, uh, I lost my train of thought with that one. I like going in, I like doing these in one take. Um, and I have talking points. I don't really like going off of a script. So part of my part of my affordances with this is I have some talking some talking points on a screen next to me, um, so I can be at least be largely coherent and in what I'm talking about. Uh, but really, I just have self affordances um, with you know no sub like bullet points beneath it. Uh, I'm very, I'm still very new to podcasting, um, and I am giving myself some grace. Uh, also, uh, of note, I got myself a new microphone, so hopefully my audio issues from last episode have been fixed. I did a few sound tests just to make sure, so, you know, hopefully I can be heard a bit better without needing to um, edit the sound too much. Hopefully now I'm not actually on the other end where I'm too loud, but it is a decent microphone. I didn't spend too much money on it. Um, so, you know, because I had that issue last time of not being able to, or not being heard, you know, I now have the affordance of a microphone. It's a very roundabout example, but um, you know, something that helps me with the process of recording a podcast and being heard. So, let's see. Next, I have uh, the other half of the accommodations and affordances. Why did I do this in that order? It's alphabetical, that's why. Um, accommodations, affordances, and, um, if we're doing true alphabetical. But accommodations are the other side of the coin where that is more of an of a like a group or an established um, entity like they have their own built-in affordances kind of where uh, they have to abide by certain laws specifically the Americans with Disabilities Act, which uh, more information can be found on ADA.gov. Uh, I will have that in the description of this episode, or a link in the description of this episode, but um, it is just ADA.gov, um, and a brief introduction to it. Uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act, or the ADA, is a federal civil rights law that prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities in everyday activities. Uh, it pro prohibits discrimination on the basis of disability, just as other civil rights laws prohibit discrimination on the basis of race, color, sex, national origin, age, and religion. Um, so, it is uh, 
pretty much it is the like the civil rights law for disabilities and on their website and with most employers uh, in their hiring process they will provide a list um, of examples uh, like whether or not you qualify um, autism is under this list um, some others of note are cancer diabetes post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD uh, cerebral palsy HIV deafness or hearing loss and so on I won't read the entire list because um, it is non-exhaustive but uh, you know most uh, just know that there are entities out there um, that will also vouch for you and fight for your ability to exist in spaces that might not be conducive to um, you know it, whether or not you are able to be um, holistic or able-bodied um, this is pretty much like the law that says you cannot be discriminated against because of that so um, the ADA and some variations of it or it ties into other areas so like I mentioned work before um, state and local government services public transit businesses um, telecommunications and a few other things um, so housing uh, transportation just it is a federal law that just because you're disabled in any way um, autistic or not uh, you are legally required to be accommodated um, and I bring this up because I know a lot of the at least for when I was beginning my autistic journey about a year and some change ago I didn't know too much about um, any kind of accommodations available to me like something I've seen in the autistic community or that I'm in online and in other I'm starting to sound a little nasally uh, excuse me um, a lot something that I'm seeing a lot and hearing from other autistic people uh, is that once they get their autism diagnosis regardless of their age um, they're kind of just left high and dry like they're not given any resources or they're not um, like that they're just kind of given that diagnosis a pat on the back and you are meant to fend for yourselves um, and quite frankly that is not fair especially if uh, say you cannot speak for yourself or if uh, someone like if you don't know to even look for these things if you don't know that they're there then you won't know what to look for and that is part of what I am hoping to get across in this episode is that um, my listeners if you are autistic or disabled or you are not please 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 uh, it is not you are not a burden for taking up accommodations looking for it um, you are not 
doing anything wrong for asking for help. Um, these things are meant to be here for you, to protect you, to aid you um, in your everyday life because, like I said before, the this world is not meant for uh, people with disabilities. It is largely meant for people without disabilities and um, I the most obvious example I can give is just like how often we see people parking in um, like the wheelchair accessible like ramps when they don't need like that ramp like someone else now has to uh, drive around and go much further and potentially can't even get into the area that they're trying to go because either someone is on, is not thinking about that or um, the people who designed like the area just did not consider how often or how much trap like uh, how much access is required to get in um, so that is a bit of an extreme example and but, you know, that's the, probably the most pressing that I can think of at this moment, like the most, uh, like you can go out there to any, like almost any grocery store and you probably see somebody parking in like either in the ramp space or like on the ramp itself. And it's, it, it, it irks my soul, uh, to no end. Um. So please, uh, if they if these resources are offered, please take them. If they are not offered, um, either you yourself or someone around you, please ask why, because this is this is federally mandated. Um, but of course, more information on these uh, requirements is on ada.gov and please speak up uh, if for those that can't um, or for yourself please um, it was a very long-winded way uh, <laughs> saying uh, you know advocacy is absolutely uh, important to me because um, I needed uh, accommodations when I was in finishing up my undergrad um, a year and some change ago, uh, I actually went through my entire undergraduate uh, career not even knowing that we had uh, an office of uh, they call it they call it the Center of Accommodations and Access, um, not knowing that that was a thing. Um, but I also didn't know that I was even uh, disabled. I just figured. Um, you know, everyone had those kinds of problems. But in an office like that, I was able to, and with the help of a counselor, um, that's also important, uh, understand that, you know, I needed that those accommodations, I needed, uh, like, help in um, performing as a student. So, you know, I am, I am practicing what I preach. I do, uh, I did, um, take accommodations, um, 
and hopefully they are you know helpful for you um, some universities like mine is a public university so I we had a federally compliant uh, Center for accommodations and access um, you know I was given extra time on exams um, a quiet room free of distractions because just how often I could potentially get distracted or um, think about other things that weren't part of my test uh, that you know made it difficult for me to be present and remember what I had studied but also um, ongoing assistance with uh, the academic demands of like college um, and having someone that could help me you know uh, stay on track of things um, she wasn't very good at helping with motivation but that's more of an internal thing uh, occasionally you know senioritis um, that is a very very not fun thing to have when you're trying to graduate um, but you know having someone to kind of keep me accountable uh, was good to have um, so all that just just to again say um, there is nothing wrong with asking for help and taking up the resources that are available to you um, sometimes most of the time they will take some uh, looking though so I'm sorry for that uh, I will advocate and fight that you know they should be made more public more available because of just how often things go missed and people fall through the cracks and are just left to fend for themselves and that's just again that's just not fair so um, please uh, let's see some more resources um, and this is going back to uh, those tests that I had mentioned um, last episode uh, an online website that I used um, I was directed to this website by my former therapist who was uh, who is autistic um, she had recommended to me this website as the uh, researchers um, themselves are also autistic um, so they are It is embraceautism.com. Um, there is a hyphen between uh, embrace and autism, or a dash. So embrace-autism.com. Once again, I will have their website uh, linked in my description. Um, and the founders are Dr. Natalie Engelbrecht, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Dr. Eva Silvertant. No, not doctor, I apologize. Um, but on here, I'm scrolling through their uh, homepage right now. Um, they have a few tests. So the Autism Quotient um, and the RADS R that I mentioned. Um, a few more tests for uh, 
really just um, some screenings that you can take um, to see where you fall on uh, peer-reviewed and scientifically um, researched uh, screens. So um, they also have their um, uh, sources cited. So for the Reds are specifically, I'm I found on their page the article that this questionnaire or the scale comes from. So the Ritful, Ritvo Autism Asperger Diagnostic Scale Revised, or the RADS-R, um, by uh, Ritvo et al. Um, let's see, what year is this? 20, 2011. Um, and uh, these are, at least are uh, the scales that I took. The Autism Quotient, Autism Spectrum Quotient, or the AQ, um, evidence from Asperger's syndrome slash high functioning autism males and females scientists and mathematicians uh, by Baron Cohen at all um, yes well, not not that Baron Cohen but his brother um, yeah I know that that freaked me out too how was that was very interesting to see uh, let's see 2001 um, and as part of this as part of these um, questionnaires on their website. They also have their own remarks um, as researchers and disclaimers about like how the AQ was published in 2001. And typically in research, we, in psychological research, we, pre we prefer looking at research within the last five to 10 years and 10 years is really, is really pushing it. Uh, so 2001 is uh, quite old. Um, and on this, they even, uh, Dr. Engelbrecht even uh, scores it along three measures. So appropriate and respectful wording, it's four out of five stars. Clarity and lack of ambiguity is two out of five stars. But testing accuracy is five out of five stars. Um, and I took this some time ago. Um, so I don't remember my score on this. I had it written down somewhere, but I can't find it. But I remember taking the AQ-10 first to see if you should take the full AQ. And the threshold for whether or not you should take it... Uh, let me find that. thought I had it ready. I did not. I apologize. The AQ-10, or the Short Autism Spectrum Quotient, uh, it's 10 questions long. Um, if you score six or above, you might be autistic. And I don't want to report the wrong score, so I will not say what I got, but I do know that I got I scored above a six. But on the AQ, like the, on the full AQ, um, looking at now the full AQ, it is 50 questions, um, takes about 5 to 10 minutes, uh, with uh, 26 being the, uh, like the threshold, 26 or more or higher, is that you are, you might be autistic. Um, and I scored 
a 38. Um, so on here, they also have 79.3% or quote, 79.3% of autistic people score 32 or higher. Um, now the rats are, I do have that one written down. Um, that one is much longer. Uh, I was just going through a full like testing uh, thing that day. That is 80 questions um, along, let's see, how many subscales? On one, two, three, four, four subscales. Uh, language, um, social relatedness, sensory motor, and circumscribed interests. And I have a picture of my results when I took them compared to the averages for uh, non-autistics, so all autistics, um, and also comparing it to other autistic uh, males. So, Okay, so on the reds are like the total score, um, like for average, the average autistic male uh, would score in total for the, yeah, the average autistic male scored uh, 148.6 and I scored 184. Uh, for the language subscale, they, the average autistic male scored 11.9. I scored an 18. Um, for social relatedness, the average male, the average autistic male scored a 71.3. Uh, I scored a 76. Uh, for sensory motor, 36.7. Uh, I scored a 52. And uh, for circumscribed interests, uh, the average is 28.7, and I scored a 38. Um, so that's a little bit about me. This was taken for accuracy. Uh, I took this back in January, um, so I will likely take it again uh, between now and next episode, and hope and well, I will hopefully remember to and uh, share if that changed or not. But um, Embrace Autism is a good resource um, to take like these screens. Um, if you're not sure, if you're questioning, um, please do not ex like, take these as a proper diagnosis. Um, and I would recommend that you talk to a professional first or you talk to a professional about your scores. Um, Please, 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 these are not meant to uh, diagnose you. Um, that is something that only a trained, licensed uh, psychologist um, or counselor can do. Like, they have to be trained, licensed, um, capable, uh, all that. So I am not in any way uh, endorsing this as a diagnostic um, 
like as a diagnos like as a way of diagnosing yourself. Um, but with the help of my uh, therapist at the time, I took these um, scales to come to a, what I call an educated diagnosis um, or educated self-diagnosis. Um, and I am actually scheduled to be fully screened by a licensed uh, psychologist in January um, to well, to uh, get the full thing done. Hopefully, that doesn't take too much energy. Because um, even getting the referral to do that took a lot of energy. Again, autistic and holistic world. What can you say? Um, also on their website, you'll if you scroll down past the like on the homepage past the uh, tests, you will see, um, I'm looking at their page now, superpowers and kryptonites. So some of the, some resources on what an autistic person can go through. Um, so on, I looked through their superpowers earlier and I saw that some of them are like relate to, there are sensitivity issues, or not issues, are sensory um, like how we, our sensory systems, both how that's a super, can be a superpower and a kryptonite. So being, uh, like how we can go into sensory overload or, um, our cognitive abilities, like how, not how we are like disabled as the, as a lot of, um, uh, like diagnostic criteria would uh, look at. So say like the DSM-4, the DSM-5, like they look more at our disabilities and like what we can't do. But this is a way of saying or showing uh, what we can do. We just do things differently. So something uh, both for autistic people and all those people who are just trying to understand more about autism. Um, let's see. I think that is all that I have for this website. Again, a great website and resource. I cannot recommend this enough. Um, yeah. So let's see. Um, I think that's all that I have for this episode on accommodations and affordances. Um, so, uh, of course, I will have um, the ADA website and the Embrace Autism websites uh, in the description of my of this episode. Um, please give Embrace Autism a look. Um, if you have more questions that maybe I can't answer, um, or if you're just curious about any of the scales that I mentioned and the papers that uh, you know made them, showing you that they are scientifically validated. Um, yeah. So once again, uh, happy holidays. Uh, please take care of yourselves. Stay warm. Um, I'm going to finish up this now lukewarm tea. Um, 
it's fine. Uh, and, oh yeah, happy holidays. Stay safe, stay warm, and I'll see you on the next one.